0: Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss what leadership looks like in the modern insurance business. We talk to insurtech leaders and founders, innovators and change agents from the insurance industry. We also talk to thought leaders from outside the industry, such as organizational psychologists, performance coaches and investment professionals. Anyone who can add value to the conversation on how to lead insurance businesses of the future sorry to interrupt the podcast this is the host Alex Bond um, we've got an exciting announcement to make um, off the back of the podcast we're exposed to you know many issues that are kind of topical or current um, and some become really pervasive and sometimes we are in the position to do something about it in our role as a recruitment business that specializes in insurtech And one of those issues has been the lack of female leadership in insurance technology businesses. It's nothing new, it's nothing surprising. Um, We can see that the numbers are just simply not representative in the traditional insurance industry. But in a nascent industry, in, in a burgeoning and growing industry, in an industry that's so exciting, it's a little bit disappointing to see that the numbers continue to not stack up. There are simply not enough female leaders in the insurance technology business so, what can we do about that? Well, look, there's no time for me to have a savior complex, but what I can do is build networks and what I can do is build platforms. And so, one of those platforms we've decided to kind of launch is the Flight Series, the Female Leaders in Insurance Technology Event Series. This will be a series of events that will start in 2022. They will involve in person events, they will involve online events to encapsulate the global audience, and they are going to include some specific mentoring opportunities. So I'm excited to announce that the first of those is happening on 13th of January. That will be a London in-person event. It a ticketed event. Um, and we get a fantastic panel of female speakers to talk about attracting talent to insuretech. So if you're interested in InsurTech, if you're interested in discussing opportunities in insuretech, we'd love to see you there. Please check out the FinPro website, www.wearefinpro.com, for more information. Good morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. I'm your host Alex Bond and I'm very lucky to be joined by Sam White, who of many things is, is founder of uh, an tech business called Stella Insurance. Um, Sam, good morning.
1: Good morning. I'm not sure if I'd describe it as very lucky. We go either way, Alex.
0: (laughs) Well, look, we've already had a kind of feisty conversation already. So I'm I'm looking forward to this one. So it's going to be fun. But um, before we kind of dive in, I'd really be great to get your kind of explanation of what specifically Stellar Insurance does.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, obviously, I've had quite a few insurance businesses over the years. Since I decided to set up my first company in and around this sector when I was 24. So and I'm obviously very old now, as we just (laughs) not capable of getting up to staying up till three o'clock in the morning anymore, although I do try and then fail miserably the next day.
0: Yeah, you and me both.
1: (laughs) So I've I've had a lot of experience in the insurance sector, um, starting out from claims, then moving into MGA territory, more recently set up a broker in the UK. And I hate to say it, and you know, I'm sure I'll be lambasted, but we are a very, very male industry, and you know, it is what it is. It, you know, I, you know, when I started out my career 20 odd years ago, it was even more so. It's um, I've got loads of really good um, male business associates, friends in the industry, but I I notice more and more as I get older what's missing from a female perspective. Mm you know it it's hard to see something through somebody else's eyes isn't it you know someone else's shoes are always really tricky and if you look at the world in general the, the the default position is male just because um you know over the course of history men have tended to be the people that were in control building the products designing things and insurance is no different to that there's there's a fantastic book um, that I read recently and I got the whole team at Stella to read it as well, which is um, it's called Invisible Women, The Truth About Data Bias. And yeah. the time we chatted, we, we chatted through some of the stuff and it was a real eye-opener for me as well in terms of things that you wouldn't think had a gender associated with them, but by default they have. So, you know, a lot of medicines have been designed um tested on men and therefore the sort of difference in the hormone balances with women mean that they're not as effective Mm -hmm. designed for the male torso you know all of these things are not they might not be badged as a male product but they've been designed by men with men in mind and Mm -hmm. result they've ended up male so i started to kind of get this idea probably back in 2016 initially of what would an insurance product look like if you were to start it from a blank sheet of paper from a female perspective? Mm-hmm. And to um, Weirdly, I went over to Australia at the time looking at business opportunities and I, I started to formulate this business plan and, and Australia seemed like the best place to start it. Partly because they don't have the same gender directive rules. So, you know, from a pricing viewpoint, I'm able to price women appropriately and and by that I mean charge them less for motor insurance because they're they're generally safer drivers Mm -hmm. but but also just because the 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 sort of enthusiasm over there I got investment um a lot easier than than I have done uh, in the past in the UK um there was a really sort of special partnership deal that I did with a media company so everything kind of came together to be able to do it but is a motor insurance direct brand that's been designed for the female audience and that is also a a sort of a a business that is is very fundamentally embedded in being supportive of other women as well so we we do for instance give five dollars from every policy um, to uh women and girls emergency center so which is a a charity that supports domestic abuse victims so it's is that all kind of holistic yeah i think
0: yeah and and i think that's it's really important to bake those values in from the start right and and it's it's very difficult to get them in at a later stage uh i i had a <laughs> had a very frank exchange with a branding company and looking at some rebranding for my business and then going oh we help you design a mission statement i was like i don't think you can design that i think it's <laughs> you've got to ask the team about what do they believe and think about these things rather than, you know, you can't sort of dictate um, the values of a business. You've got to kind of build them in and that's who do you hire? How do you hire? What are the things you care about? Um, But meaningful action is, is a thing, you know, like there's no point you, making it for women and and there's no meaningful action so I think those, those things like you know five dollars in every policy are super important um but you did a big download there so I need to, I need
1: to... <laughs> sorry I would was... no 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 no
0: that's 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 awesome I um one of the things I wanted to pick on is firstly all the best people started in claims um <laughs> of course
1: <Yeah.
0: laughs> I, I, I do have a belief in that, though, because I think you that's the product. You see the end result. You you know, if, if you start there... It's a pain
1: point as well. It's, it's a big pain point and, and continues to be so.
0: Because where, where the battle's being fought in InsurTech, particularly on the B2C side, it's it's actually claims. It's what everyone's talking about. When people talk about lemonade, they talk about the ease of use, the claims process. That's, that's what they're talking about. So it's um you know it's a it, it's been a trite phrase i've used a lot a lot because i used to specialize in claims recruitment so i always said the best people worked in place but it's something that i kind of fundamentally thinks has been overlooked and i think it's interesting that a lot of the insure techs that's where they're focusing their time you know that's where they're kind of spending the time whereas you know it used to be this kind of joke within insurance like you, you never saw people that worked in the claims team on the board you never saw yeah
1: yeah 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 they and they don't put the money into it the salaries aren't reflective in claims as they are in the front end that's this, the underwriting and sales bit is the sexy bit of insurance if if there is a sexy bit of insurance
0: yeah 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 no insurance is very sexy we've covered that <laughs> I um I'm, and i want to talk about the australian regulatory landscape because this is obviously something i didn't um wasn't as up on before we spoke because of what you're allowed to do in Australia um, how is that gonna how are you going to adapt to that as you sort of grow uh, outside of the Australian territory um is is yeah how are you going to kind of adapt the business so uh, great
1: question and as you might have expected I have already researched the, the sort of rules around this so the thing that's interesting for me is um there's lots of products that are gender specific. Mm. You know, you've got Gillette razors for men, you've got Dove deodorant for women, mm. you've got Tampax, you've got, you know, the, 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 and then there's the subtler um, element of, you know, cars that are specifically marketed towards a female audience or a male audience. Mm. So, you know, this isn't something that's unusual in the marketing world that you might kind of focus your attention on a particular target segment. Yes. And, becoming more and more specific so i i find media brands and and that kind of micro segmentation really interesting in how it also um corresponds to underwriting you know that's what we do with underwriting we we very specifically say this is the group of individuals that we want to attract and Mm -hmm. you know in an absolute utopia your marketing fits with your your underwriting profile and your pricing and hey presto you get what you want Now, the the rules around the gender directive in the UK is that I'm not allowed to use gender as a pricing metric. So, you know, which, frankly, I have, I do take great umbrage with because, you know, whether we like it or not, insurance is fundamentally discriminatory. You know, I can discriminate against you because of where you live. I can discriminate against you because your income is lower than the next person's. Um, you know, I can discriminate against you because your credit score is poor, but I'm not allowed to use gender as a rating factor when we know that women generally do um, produce a better loss ratio result than, than anything else. But it is what it is. Mm. rock decided it was a good idea. Mm-hmm. And it was a law that was put in. So it is where it is. But. That doesn't stop me from being very clear about who I am as a brand and and putting that message out to the the general public and saying, you know, this is who I am. This is is where I stand. And I I did a podcast recently with um, a lady called Cindy Gallup, who's quite controversial, based in New York. Um, She's actually got a business called Make Love Not Porn, um, which is is challenging the sort of incumbents in, in that industry. And it's actually quite fascinating because obviously there isn't a more misogynistic environment. I mean, financial services may be very male dominated but if you really want yeah, yeah, yeah. Misogyny, that's where you go. Um, and, and she said to me on, on the podcast, um, be your own filter. And she said, by that, what, what I mean is be incredibly clear about who you are and what you want. and And the people that you don't want will naturally disperse. And so mm. I think that's that's the thing for us with with Stella. I, you know, we absolutely ensure men. Ha, you know, welcome them. In fact, but they are coming on board knowing that the product wasn't designed for them. Now, if you would like a, a female experience, if you would like a female brand that is looking at things from a female perspective, then absolutely come to us. Yeah. If, if that doesn't appeal to you, by all means, go to. Hastings or Admiral or Churchill or wherever the hell you, you want to go but I don't think there's anything wrong at all in us being quite clear in our intentions and saying this is this is what we've designed it for because there's so many other things that haven't been designed with with women in mind at all.
0: Mm, yeah that's really um, I think that's a really important point and um, that you, you sort of not you're not saying people can't it's just it's created for a certain audience but you, that that might resonate with you as a man you might you might you might want that product for that reason um I'm pretty sure my girl, girlfriend read that invisible w- uh, women um data um did she, did she
1: give you a really hard time all week she like, basically she,
0: yeah she basically was occasionally going this is ridiculous even the kitchen's <laughs> designed for you and it was all about like shelving height and things like that yes absolutely was, like, just access and points and um you know, I'm a six foot one man. And I'm thinking, yeah, I can see you're that. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the other
1: thing was the amount of space allocated to toilets for men and women, because of course men can use urinals. So yeah. actually you're catering for a much larger volume of men, which is why there's always so many queues in female toilets. But you, look, the, I'm not, you know, contrary to popular opinion, <laughs> I am absolutely not a man hater. You know, no. I, I like I say, I, you know, Actually, my, my sort of foundation relationship, interestingly, my strongest relationship was with, with my dad, mm. relationship with, with my mum for a variety of different reasons. But but that doesn't mean that I can't call out where, you know, one of the reasons I've got the confidence that I've got is that my dad was an incredibly forward thinking guy. Was um, He's probably the biggest feminist that I know. You know, he, he calls out more instances of misogyny than I do. Mm you know that gives me the ability to go out in the world and and be quite solid on my ground to say this isn't an equal playing field right now but it doesn't mean it can't be Mm -hmm. say that my experience is most of the men that I know when I've shown them the ad campaigns and told them what we're doing and how they love it they're like absolutely go for it Mm -hmm. fantastic for me it's only people with a degree of insecurity about where they stand in the world that get threatened by that sort of thing. And, you know, I'm quite happy to have the debate with those individuals.
0: Mm. I love that. I I, I, I want to be in the room for that one. Um, (laughs) um, I I want to kind of talk about it in practical terms. So, you know, it's a motor insurance uh, designed for women by women and created by by women. And and that's been a, a big part of the messaging. Um, on practical terms, what needs to be different? What 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 is it about the product that, that is different and, and how does it need to look different?
1: So, I mean, there's 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 loads more to do, would be where I started from. And what I've said to the team is let's go deeper and deeper and deeper into what we can do. But what, what we did in the initial instance, because we had the partnership with the media company, we actually commissioned a study of women um, to say, okay, what do you understand about insurance now? What do you like about it? What what don't you like about it? And and some of these things may well be true for men as well. It's just that we didn't ask them. We asked a female audience. Mm-hmm. They didn't understand the policy wording. It's probably true of most people. It's far too overcomplicated. Um, you know, it's it it doesn't simplify what what's being offered in a way that they can understand. So we we work very hard on making sure that our communication is is straightforward and in you know, human terms and not in insurance speak. And um, They didn't like how many questions they were asked from an insurance quote perspective. So, um, and, and let's face it, there are a lot of organisations, and certainly this was true in Australia, that use the quote process as a data collection tool and mm-hmm. some questions that they don't necessarily need to know the answer to. But, well, I might want to know it in the future from an underwriting viewpoint, so I'm going to stick the question in there. So we cut out all of the questions that we didn't need and we gave them a quick quote option that took 40 seconds to get a pretty clear indication of what the price was going to be so that if we weren't even in the ballpark, they could move on to the, the, next, the next provider without, without too much trouble. Um, the, the policy wording generally around insurance excludes um, events that are caused by family members, so, um, if your vehicle was damaged by your partner, you wouldn't be insured for it because that was, you know, domestic event or whatever. We removed that clause because we recognised that that would unfairly disadvantage women that were victims of domestic violence, and that the mm-hmm. kind of core um, cause that we we wanted to get behind. Um, we cover um, much more contents because women's handbags are often expensive, and they often have more expensive items in them than than men do so we we look very closely at what the contents policy would would look like around there um we've done um a number of promotions where we've included breakdown because that was the biggest thing that women were concerned about um but i think you know one of the 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 main sort of stalwarts of this is how we talk to our customers yeah so, you know the 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 brand is it, i think and obviously, I'm going to say that, but I do think it's incredibly different to what you see out there. If you look at our Instagram or um, Facebook or anything, we're 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 fun and edgy, but we're also we're looking to educate women around the topics that they've told us they're interested in. So we've got stellar expert series. So we're talking about we've got an ex female race car driver that talks about what you need to watch out for when you're buying a vehicle and gives good tips on that um i've done a series on setting up your own business as a, as a woman and and again just you know very punchy five sort of levels of tips of this is what you need to be mindful of um and 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 that that sort of ongoing newsletter communication this is what we're doing this is why we're doing it this is what to watch out for we even tell them how to save money on on the motor insurance you know we're very transparent you need to look at this i thought you know this is the the right way of um of of kind of purchasing your policy to get the best outcome for for you so that there and there's loads more we can do so i'm i'm currently in talks with a specialist insurer to design a product that's never existed before that will specifically benefit women that will just automatically include in in the policy and you know for me it's it's about building on that to kind of go okay what's the next thing what's the next thing what's the next thing how can Can, how can we how can we deliver on our promise which is to be by women for women
0: yeah yeah and it's 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 such a nuanced like area as well because of some of the things i instantly thought to I was like well does that impact on breakdown cover and you know even the breakdown cover you get in the uk um the idea that it might prioritise women on their own, it, 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 yeah, not yeah, exactly. Women, things like that. that um, but those are the more obvious ones, I think. But the kind of more subtlety and is really interesting. I hadn't thought about, you know, handbags. You know, my, my partner's life is in her handbag, and ninety percent of her valuable items are probably in that bag. In
1: so, the handbag, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Whereas, like, I'm, if you stole my car, you'd have nothing in it, apart from. but
1: well, men tend to carry stuff in their pockets.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: And they could take it out of the car. Yeah. So- yeah. You know, in terms of the limits on that, it's, it, it, it's different. And, you know, I, I think once you start to really delve into the consumer base that you're interested in appealing to, you can find some, some real kind of nuggets of, of special, you know, benefits that, that aren't standard in insurance. And I, th- I think generally in insurance, we don't do this particularly well. Like we, we we don't really think from a consumer viewpoint, we've generally thought from a policy perspective, mm. look at the business models. They're about getting to scale, getting profit and, and getting a multiple on that profit. And that's the name of the game. How can I get to a segment of business that's going to be profitable and do loads of that so that I can grow my business and I've, I've got that. And that's all fantastic. But if you look at other sectors of the market, the sophistication around Building that brand that that genuinely is giving customers something that they haven't had previously or that they didn't even know that they wanted. Yeah. You know, Uber's a great example, you know, a, 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 of a, a business model that that has created a completely new space. I think we we that's what's exciting to me in insurance. That's what we can do. And, and uh, when I'm looking at designing new products in this market, what I find really exciting about it is 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 thinking about what problems we're trying to solve for in the future mm. and what actually are people wanting to protect or have some some security around, rather than just, I'm going to sell a home insurance policy and it's the same home insurance policy that everybody else has always sold and that mm. exists in the market. Mm. You know, that that it does, it, it, it excites me. I like sitting there and thinking about you mm. know, but-
0: the thing that the theme that I think comes back from all this is that the key to success in this is, is engagement. You know, and, and I think traditionally insurance companies have been very bad at engaging with their, the actual end consumer. Um yeah, I, I use a perfect example of when I I had health insurance, I had to claim on it, I was going through thankfully I was a health scare, but I was perfectly fine. But going through that process was so the, the the claims process was so antiquated and awful. Um that I as soon as my policy ended, I left and went to another provider. Um, but there's there was no feedback loop the, the, you know I left and there was no contact, there was no reach out, there was no anything. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that's fascinating because I know it's only one policy, it's a small policy, but it it's it's indicative of of the care or lack of care um because it would have been a very easy thing to say what didn't you like I didn't like that it was very manual I had to phone up quite a lot I wanted to just have okay. it all on an app why can't it all be on an app you yeah, know? yeah yeah
1: no yeah exactly exactly
0: <laughs> it's, it's very easy to solve um okay I, I wanted to switch gears and um, you know to give everyone some kind of background you and I have, have communicated before we were talking about our flight series um female leaders in insurance technology series my shameless plug it starts next year 2022 um you were one of the first people i reached out to because you know i've I've seen some of the stuff that you've done in in the media i love that the the sort of personal brand you've got um but your your history i mean touching on the top you've had multiple insurance businesses um with little outside investment um but i know that when we talked it wasn't necessarily through choice
1: not choice yeah
0: (laughs) So how have you found raising money? You said you've raised money successfully in Australia in the current environment. You know, uh, what's been your experience?
1: Yeah, and, you know, i caveat this with... um, I've got a lot of male founder friends as well, and it's tough, full stop. Like, raising money is hard. I get that. And particularly, um, it's hard if you don't fit in a very small box of, you know... Uh, individuals that seem to just pass money around amongst themselves and we all we, we all know how that game sits but I I am a great believer if you if you you can have a personal experience you can have a subjective experience and it can mm. come you, your whole viewpoint but I think it's important if you have a personal experience, experience and you think a certain way to step back and have a look at the stats and say is that You know, is that generally supported by by the the, the statistics? And when I started um, out my business, I could not get any support at all. My bank manager was actually the most patronising human being I have ever had the misfortune to have a conversation with. And look, I get I was 24 um, and, you know, it was my first business. But I, I went in to ask for a relatively modest loan. And in the most patronizing manner he could possibly uh, drum up, he explained the concept of gearing to me, which was I could lend you the 40,000, but you would need 40,000 in a bank to correspond against that because we'd need the security against it. And I'm like, why would I borrow 40,000 off you if I've had to put 40,000 in the bank over there and then I'm paying you the interest? Like, that makes no sense. Um, he, he removed my personal overdraft that I'd used very responsibly for a, a number of years previously. Um, and it was just a really awful experience. And it wasn't until I actually asked my dad to pretend he was in the business. As I said, look, dad, I'll be honest. I just think they need to see an old white dude sat next to me in the chair. And that's going to kind of get it over the edge. And I brought him into the bank and, and literally they agreed the overdraft. And he didn't give any extra security or anything wow. else. And the bank manager, um, actually, I mean, my dad nearly punched him. He had, but bear in mind, he's a bigger feminist than I am. <laughs> I had to, like, kind of hold his hand like, we're here for a purpose. Just, <laughs> like, smile and nod. Um, and he turned around to my, my dad and said, oh, the power behind the throne. Oh, and,
0: wow.
1: Yeah, oh. it was like, okay, right. Yeah. But... That was you know that was my initial experience, and I have to say it didn't really get any better every time I engaged you know with people from a financial um background. Mm-hmm. It was a horrid time. And then the during COVID we um banked with um Barclays Bank, don't mind saying it because I ranted at them horrendously, they were so unsupportive. Because obviously, you know, a, a lot of my UK businesses were dependent on motor claims and we stopped driving. And so the claims completely um, uh, stopped happening. Yeah. And, so, um, you know, I'm not backed by anybody else. I haven't got private equity. I haven't got money in the bank. But I've got a track record of running profitable businesses for 20 odd years and always finding solutions. Um, and they they messed me about. They took absolutely ages to, to come back to tell me that they were not going to give us any support whatsoever. And I, I had friends that were with NatWest at the time who seemed to take a completely different tap. They were actually really supportive of their existing customers, but, of course, weren't taking any new customers on at that point. So I mm. was really caught between a rock and a hard place because our existing bank wouldn't support. And then I was, you know, I was talking to other people that were with them um, and and they were men. And you know, you can't help but go, well, if I know that a penny in every pound goes to female founders on a general basis, is it reasonable to assume there's a level of bias and misogyny in the whole process that I might kind of hit up against? And, you know, they they were successful in, in getting Seabill's loans and Seabill's support. But I I finally managed to get um I get in front of a company called Boost who were what's known as a second tier C-bills lender. So they're a bit yeah. more expensive, but they had a very diverse board. And um, they, they also were passionate about the North, which is another issue. Like, you know, the North versus the South from a funding viewpoint can be really challenging. And we went through all the numbers with them. And it's the same bloody numbers, right? So. Got a bank that's been with me for years that knows me that's supposed to be kind of making bigger risks because they've got more support from the government and then I've got these guys that don't know me from Adam looking at exactly the same numbers anyway they they came good it, it was a huge support made a massive business uh, difference to the business and um the group's absolutely flat. so it just needed a, a bit of support but it does make me a little um nervous when looking at a new project to say okay is it going to be a complete balanced position when when I'm I'm going out for this or is it going to be a challenge um and I didn't find that in Australia the first people that I went and sat down with and talked to um wanted in and we did a deal and it's been great and they've been great investor partners so um yeah i i'm I'm, a, I'm an optimist, so I'm hopeful that I will find my way to the right home in any set of circumstance but mm. I wonder how much easier it would be if um if I wasn't female <laughs> and more than well it was i wanted to something
0: you brought to my attention was was some of the research that's been done on on the the sort of cap, the raising experience. You know the, the the investment round experience and trying to raise capital. Um, talk to me about that. The, the thing you've mentioned about questioning. oh the
1: prevention. Yeah. So I mean, I am the sort of person that if because I because I am relentless and I'm really optimistic. If if something isn't happening, I, I want to know why, and I mm-hmm. want want to garner opinion and, and find the facts out. So when I was really struggling with the funding. I went on a bit of a rampage. Aside from tracking down the chairman of Barclays, so was, to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, he actually did respond to me, and he seems like a decent enough guy. I just say that his, you know, his infrastructure behind him is is not what it, it should be. Um, but I, I went online and I I found this woman who um, I think she, she she'd done a, TED, a TEDx talk on it. She found a female founder had struggled. So, and she's a researcher. So um, she, she took a scientific approach to it. So she went to the, I think it was in the InsurTech, California. And there's thousands of of pitches that go on there. Thousands of investors, thousands of um, um, uh, people looking for money, going in and pitching male and female. And she analyzed all of the videos. I mean, God help her and and had a And went through the questions and what have you. And, and the interesting thing that came out of it was that there are prevention questions and promotion questions. So a prevention question is, is an investor saying to you, what happens if you lose your capacity? What happens if you lose your biggest customer? Like, what happens if this regulatory change comes in? And a promotion question is, where else could you take this product? Mm could you sell within you know um this this market sector anything that provokes a a kind of expanding the business out promotion question and what she found is that if you were asked a promotion or promotion questions generally you were 17 times more likely to get funding 17 times more likely to get funding And so then what she did was she 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 had a look at the pitches and they were broadly, whether they were male or female, they were broadly the same in the, the way that they stacked it out. Everybody goes to the same place to learn how to, to present a, a pitch. They pitched very similarly. But what she found was that the female founders were asked on average 65% prevention questions and the male founders were asked on average 65% promotion questions. Mm mm-hmm. And you know, that's a this is one take on it. And I get she's, you know, she's gone out and she's done it, but she will be subjected to her own degree. But what I find really um interesting about that is it does resonate with my own experience and the experience that I, I've spoken to other women about, of of feeling, and, and this happens in corporate environments as well, overly challenged, overly questioned on, on things that they believe, you know, they're they're pretty, they're pretty solid on. And people talk about mansplaining or or whatever, but I I think it comes down to confidence. And I think there is still an inherent, whether they accept it or not, unconscious bias that men do not feel as much confidence in a female in charge as they do in a man. And if if you're lacking in confidence around something, what are you going to do? You're going to ask negative questions because you're, you're feeling a a certain kind of way. And so you're trying to validate that feeling because that's what we do as, as human beings. Mm. I think until we really start to challenge some of this stuff and we really start to question it. I mean, I love the idea of um, blind pictures, you know, from an investment viewpoint, because it's still so subjective around people's personal biases, whether they like it or not. You know, the amount of times I hear people saying we back the team, And like, what, what, really, what does that mean? Like, you don't know these individuals. They could be alcoholic, drug addicts, like complete car crashes (laughs) on the day and and look the part and, you know, okay. So it's very nebulous concepts in an area where there's a lot of money being deployed. And Mm. there should be more, I think there should be more analysis of, of why, what, and who. In in that decision making.
0: I, I couldn't agree more. And I, and I think the thing that resonates with me as you're saying this is that I always think of pitching and raising capital the same as the, it's, it's, it's an interview process, right? So in my world, my world of recruitment, it's an interview process. And I had an, ex, an exchange with someone on LinkedIn where I said, I put this thing about, oh, are you in are you over-interviewing? And I was discussing it, and it, it'd been born out of a real-world example where, you know. I'd had someone that had interviewed with every single member of the business and they were then looking for external interviews. Validation, for, yeah. And I, and I was like, it's probably a no then, right? Or you just need to take some responsibility. So we're having a discussion around that. And, and this person said, well, I wouldn't trust someone if they made a decision after three hours. I'd want to meet with them more. And that's, I was like, because we don't bring any science and rigor to, in, to interview. Yeah. Like the amount of people I've met client side that have actually done any training on how to genuinely conduct an interview of caliber which is robust and repeatable and and is evidenced Um, and competency-based is is the main way of doing it Um, statistically it's the best way that having a resume or a cv and a competency-based interview is the most effective way predictor of job performance outside of watching someone do that job but we can't do that we can't we can't yeah, get yeah. someone in and go right can you be coo for a week and we'll see how you get along um but people don't do the training um and so you've got baked in bias um and people don't want to do competency interviews because they don't they feel awkward it's not natural um and i do think there's a lot of ego in that people go oh, yeah, i just because people like to think they're a really good judge of character. They're yes, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a yeah, yeah. we yeah. hold dear. I mean, people yeah. go, oh, I know. I just know. Yeah,
1: it's such nonsense so that. Have you read um, Talking to Strangers? Gladwell. Um,
0: I haven't, no. Uh, you
1: have to read it because it is. he absolutely obliterates exactly what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> it is, it
1: is And he says it doesn't matter whether it's a high court judge or an FBI agent or a police officer we are not good at it. We think we're yeah. good at it. We think our gut instincts are so, you know, on point and blah, blah, blah. But effectively, all we do is confirm our own biases. You know, yes. we yeah. go about our life kind of yeah. going, feeling, what can I do to validate these feelings? And then after we validate them, we're like, see, told you.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I was right about that. And, <laughs> you know, we, we do it with everything. We do it with relationships. I mean, I psychology is... Fascinating to me. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. I've um I've just replaced myself as as CEO in the business. And um I have replaced myself with a um effectively a psychologist. So this guy has been doing um one-on-one coaching with me and with the team for 18 months. He does, it's not a complete wild card. He has got some previous insurance experience. Mm-hmm my view is creating psychologically healthy environments Mm. to get the best outcome at work. Mm. I want, you know, and I've said this many years and, you know, I think we have done a good job in lots of sets of circumstances. I mean, the very fact that we managed to survive through the absolute shitstorm that was last year, COVID, finance Mm. and blah, blah, blah. And everybody that comes into the business says the same thing. The, The resilience, the kind of, okay, how you know how can we find a solution to this is very strong, but we could be a lot better. And the thing for me is how do you get a group of individuals to play as a team instead of those individual kind of yeah. empire building roles that we create with a hierarchical structure? Mm-hmm. And somebody whose main focus from a psychology viewpoint has been group dynamics and healthy group psychology, mm-hmm. I think will enable the talent that we've already got in the business to for new talent to be effective.
0: Yeah, no, I could see that. It's it's you know, at the end of the day, you hire the practitioners that are good at their individual roles and expertise. Exactly. It's really then about if, as long as you've got a strategic vision, it's about how do you get the team to, to move in that direction? I oh, know, I completely see that. Um, and uh, do you watch Billions? Because I'm just thinking of...
1: Yeah, yeah, so we did say that. So it's been said already. You've made Wendy <laughs> CEO. <That's> yeah, a- <laughs> yeah. basically we made Wendy CEO. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's definitely been fulfilling that role for the last um, couple of years. Mm. And you joke about it, he genuinely does not talk to me about the stuff that he talks about. That. And I don't need to know like Mm -hmm. my thing is i just want everybody to be fulfilling their full potential that's Mm -hmm. all that's all i care about but the only way that they can really do that is to play as a team and i you know i look at sports performance you know a football team that there isn't any one player on the pitch that's more important than the other and it only works if they can work out how to pass the ball between each other and score goals in corporate environments that isn't that isn't how the game is set up to be played Mm. they'll stab each other in the back and clamber over each other to 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 get further up the the ladder Mm. you know i've i've seen that i've you know i've seen it in my own organization at times where you you kind of realize that the 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 psychology or the dynamics isn't is not where it should be um but i'm i mean i'm i'm super excited to see Mm. how this plays out you know Mm. well, that's a hell of an experiment and you know but i think you you've got you've got to take these chances because the world's changing so quickly if we just carry on doing everything that we've always done we're just gonna end up way behind the curve
0: mm, I, I completely agree completely agree it's something i'm fascinated in and um i've been intrigued to to, to, to get that individual on actually I might ask you about that later but yeah um,
1: no absolutely um,
0: um one thing that um yeah, and this is this is my last uh probably my last question for you but obviously one of the things that drew us together and I was really intrigued by that you've got really strong presence in, in in so well in media in general but podcasting article writing um and I think it's off the back of an article actually that I, I contacted you um why don't you ask you like do, do you think that's important in modern entrepreneurship um and you know do you think it's a deter not determinant of success but do, do you think it's something that people need to do now in this era of transparency uh,
1: yeah so I mean you know when you talk about success of businesses it used to be revenue and EBITDA increasingly I'm seeing money raised and number of followers as a as a metric as a yeah. metric businesses i'm not sure how i feel about that but it 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 is what it is the reason i use social media and and the media in general and and articles and so forth is is actually um you you get different types of uh, business owners you get different types of ceos You get subject matter experts that know their field inside out and then they set up a business because of that. And they tend to be very inward focused. And, you know, that that's where their their magic comes from a business viewpoint. Um, That's not me. You know, I am a very sort of naturally entrepreneurial individual. I started making money entrepreneurially probably when I was 13, 14. So that that's in my in in my in my DNA. In order to be able to do that, you need to create as many connections and opportunities as possible. So for me, having a online presence and being open to having conversations with people creates opportunities that I wouldn't have if I was just sat looking in in my own sphere. Mm -hmm. And then the thing it does is it creates reference points for me. So I had this question the other day, there was something I was looking at, I've never done it before, I don't know anything about it, but I'm intrigued. I have a a big enough network and a strong enough network to, within two or three hours, to have the top expert in that area be happy to come on a call with me, have a conversation and explain it to me in, in, you know, simple terms that I can understand. That is the power of having a public presence for me. And the more you can increase that public presence, then the more people you can draw into that net that you can collaborate with, that you can create energy and, and, and outputs. And that's, you know, that's just my strategy. there there'll be other CEOs that go, I haven't got time for that. Like I am I am focused exactly on this problem within the business and solving it. And that's also totally legitimate, mm-hmm. but you have to play to your own strengths and in, in your own kind of, passions and I love people I love new ideas like I'm constantly talking to people outside of the insurance sector because oh we lost you he said you you you,
0: I've lost your sound actually Uh, you might have come back
1: have a come back now.
0: Yeah, sorry, you said you, you we can cut that in, but it was um you were constantly talking to people outside the insurance sector.
1: Yeah, because I think you can get new ideas from people outside the insurance sector. And and again, you know, the, the, the more I can widen my profile, the more likely those people are to talk to me. So <laughs> it's a, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy.
0: Yeah, I I I'm so on board with that. I mean, even the way I'm looking to grow my business is that I I I'm more I'm trying to build my business like a SaaS model, you know, where they have SDRs and client success managers. And I was like, well, why does recruitment not look like that? You know, because that's what we're doing is solving recruitment challenges. Um, How we do that is kind of irrespective, but it just doesn't seem to me that the the, the, the right fits there. So, I mean, that's just on a kind of simple basis. But look, I'm really conscious of our our time. So um, I wanted to kind of bring things up. I always like to end on a kind of, open call to arms for you which is like where's you know what's the next steps for stella uh, you know what 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 would be useful should people reach out do we want VC's knocking at your door what, what
1: yeah absolutely yeah so um they people can find me on linkedin obviously I'm super super noisy on linkedin um stella is world domination funds so you know I I do want to launch it in the UK the states canada we've got a really strong success story in Australia and um, that forms the basis of that. So yes, if you've got a tonne of cash, you're not a misogynist and you're getting get behind something that you think could be the next, please do reach out and, and we can have a conversation and, and see if there's uh, there's some synergies there.
0: Awesome. That's a lovely way to end it. Sam, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Absolute pleasure as always. And um, yeah, really appreciate you being a guest.
1: Uh, Thank you for having me on.
0: You're welcome. As always, this podcast is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, often simply known as FinPro. FinPro is an executive recruitment business working in the insurance and insure tech space on an international basis. If you would like to find out more about FinPro, please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com, or our FinPro company page on LinkedIn. I've been your host, Alex Bond, and I would personally love to connect with anyone who is interested in the changing world of insurance. So feel free to reach out to me directly, um, either on LinkedIn or via my email at alexatwearefinpro.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and I hope to see you back next week. Thank you.